Thanks for listening to High Tech Simplicity. Today's sponsor was Savvy. Savvy makes reliable, safe, and good-looking AV equipment and mounts. Justin, you've used them in a few uh, different applications, right? Yes. Yeah. They're fantastic. They make camera stands, speaker mounts, mic holders, and custom AV solutions that really fit the mold of your church, your venue, those kinds of things, where you might need to hang a mic, put a camera up, something like that, maybe hang a speaker in a very custom way. Um, Savvy and Jeff, who's a good friend of both of ours, can really take care of you from that standpoint. Yeah. Check them out on SavvyUS.com. That's their website. Um, But like Josh was saying, everything that he's done has just been amazing. It is super pretty. It's super functional. And I can't tell you how many times I have installed one of his products and someone comes in and goes, ooh, what is that? And yeah, it's, it's super custom. Uh, without actually being, you know, custom outside of like the laser engravings and stuff like that. Right. Um, which I think is the cool thing. It's like everyone feels like they're getting a custom piece for their, their business or their church. Yeah. And honestly, like I saw one of his mounts recently, like I couldn't even find a weld. Like it was just unbelievably clean. So really, really recommend you guys check Savvy out. Um, check us out. On the web, right? High-tech simplicity, yep. So we have our Facebook and our YouTube, and we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, uh, and a bunch of other things. Uh, We're on Anchor as well. So hit subscribe. Because this is a tech podcast, I'm going to kind of just open up this, like, curtain of what this is. And what we really need you to do is we need you to, A, subscribe. It's really important that you subscribe uh, for the algorithms that YouTube uses and for Apple Podcasts and for Spotify. Those are super important. It's also really, really important for you to listen to the entire thing. We have an episode zero that's only 10 minutes long. Yeah. And it's super easy, super short. Just well, Justin and I? Yeah, just me yeah. and Josh just sitting there kind of talking, telling you what is going on here. Um, but listening to that 10 minute all the way through is going to be really, really important for us. And obviously listening to this one all the way through, even if it, it takes you multiple times sitting down to get all the way through it, right. listening through it all the way gets us on the new and noteworthy, which is really important, really hard to do unless you get this. So we would really, really appreciate it if you could just do that for us. Uh, and also share everything. Give us thumbs up. Give us likes. Give us all those <laughs> kind of things. Right. Um, today's podcast, we talked with Jesse Stevens about the three pieces of technology that uh, influenced you or changed your life. Um, so we would love for you to comment down below and let us know what three pieces of technology changed your life or maybe ruined your life. I mean, I guess I'll, we'll take anything. We just right. want you to comment. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, join this community. We're talking. I mean, we talk with Jesse about a bunch of things. I think we... Yeah, we went down a lot of roads. We went down a lot of roads. I think we talked yeah. about space travel at one point in time. We did. Yeah. <laughs> and Mars. And Mars. Uh, we talked about yeah. coding for a little bit. Yeah. So we talked about a bunch of things. So uh, thanks so much. And yeah, let's uh, kick it over to our podcast with Jesse Stevens. All right, let's go. Welcome, Jesse Stevens. How are you today? Hey, fellas. How's it going? Everything's good over here. I like how you did that like around the radio. Yeah. I mean, it was... <laughs> Vobrust. I mean, sure. I think I made a word up. <laughs> Jesse, how no, are you? I, I think you were full of. I think you were full of breast when you said that, Josh. Oh, okay. That <laughs> how are you, today, Jesse? Things are good, man. I'm here in Colorado. I mean, right now in northern Colorado, and uh, luckily the smoke has cleared uh, this week. Although we're guessing, guess we're getting a bit of a heat wave coming up. So right on. 
What, what is a heat wave this time of year, though? Like 75? Uh, no, it's going to be like 85 during the day. Oh. Maybe week this week. Yeah. I mean, like last week it was, you know, high of 65, 70, and then down to 40s at night, you know, All bringing right. plants inside sort of weather. And then now it's, it's going to go back up. Uh, cool. My wife loves it. I hate it. You know, I was ready <laughs> to go roll into the fall here. Right. Well, hey, um, we today we're going to talk about technology and the top pieces of technology that have changed our lives. Yes. Right? Top three. And uh, I know this is hard. This was like really, really hard for me to come up with what like what it was. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think I probably burned through like 35 things. Yeah. I kept thinking about things that were far too specific or far too broad. Yeah. It, it just it was really hard. Yep. Same, about, same here. <laughs> how about you, Jesse? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying, I basically had one answer for all three and I'm trying to find a way I've been trying to find a way into it. that doesn't sound trite and boring, but also brings a new spin and then maybe gets a bit more specific from there. But right. yeah, it was hard. I mean, technology, I'm a huge technology fan as everybody knows about me. And like, I'm a bit broad in my definition of technology. Like for me, you know, everything's technology and then all of a sudden it becomes part of your daily life. So when something passes into that sort of like, when something's as ubiquitous as like a pencil or a pen, like that was a piece of technology at one point. Right. So when something becomes ubiquitous as that, all of a sudden, like when does it become technology and not? So yeah, it was definitely a fun one to ponder. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you said something there that everybody knows about me, right? And so I thought maybe you should share a bit about you and uh, kind of what makes uh, you special because you are special. Oh, um, am I special? You wow. are. Thanks, I mean, Josh. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know I needed to hear that today, but I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> if people don't know, Jesse and I uh, have become really good friends over uh, the past few years, and um, but I would like you to share a little bit about you with us um, about what uh, what makes you tick, what professionally um, you've done, because it's pretty freaking impressive, I must say. Um, <laughs> And, well, thanks, uh, man. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel like it at this point in COVID, right? Because everything I've done is now longer, like not of use to anybody anymore. Right. Because, uh, so basically, you know, when I was, in, I was a bit of a miss, I grew up in uh, Vermont and I was a bit of a sort of a misfit in high school. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Was not a good student. Got into a theater program, you know, in, co in high school, the teacher was great. He said, Hey, I don't know if you're doing college, but you should check out this school. So I went to a school called North Carolina School of the Arts, which turned out to be like a great arts conservatory, very well respected. And I ended up going for sound design and engineering. Cut to four years later, I got out of school. My girlfriend at the time was going to New York City. So we moved to New York City together and I just started hustling. You know, I wasn't really sure at that point what I wanted to do. Um, so I started working off-Broadway musicals, basically. Um, started doing load-ins and load-outs, knowing the scene, you know, building shows. From there, I worked up to mixing, and then I started working on Broadway. So I basically spent the last 15 years, well, a few years back now, working on Broadway, 10, 15 years, doing Broadway musicals. Nice. I started doing shows at Radio City Music Hall. I um, was doing big Broadway musicals, big tours, um, big special events, one-offs, things like that. A lot of studio work in New York City, and just sort of doing that hustle for a while. Um and that was awesome. It was a great time. I had a lot of great experiences. I'll say that during those 10, 15 years, like I didn't have many friends. I didn't have any family really that I saw. I didn't see my family very much at all. It was just, you're always working. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so for the last four years I was working at all acoustics. So I, I tried to maybe find a, you know, a, a way that I could parlay my skills into doing something a bit more real life job, you know, um, even though right. it was a bit of travel and stuff, but yeah, I was a design application engineer at all acoustics 
um, doing designing installations, uh, designing theatrical events, and then also working with uh, the cutting edge Aliza technology, the immersive audio technology. Yeah, which um, um, which Elacusi is how ultimately you and I met. Yeah, um, which is because, where I met Josh. Josh was hired yeah. <laughs> uh, what a month or two before I was. I mean, I think it was it was not a lot, maybe a couple right. months. Yeah, and so. we were we were applications employees three and four basically right. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which was uh, neat and fun to see that growth. Um, but also, uh, you and I, I, I would say we were unlikely friends. Um, you know, yeah, definitely different <laughs> sides of the. You know, grew up in different places. Definitely right. different politically. Definitely different in a lot of ways, for sure. Yeah. But well, that's awesome, man. I, you know, the your experience and and who you are just as a person, um, personally, but also professionally, I think is really why we wanted to have you here. Uh, for episode one with us. Um, nice. and, and the topic, you know, as we mentioned, again, is really broad, right? Like technology, like what technology has changed your life? Yeah. And Jesse, I think like what he said is like, you know, the pencil technically was technology at some point in time, right. you know, like when paper was invented, that was a piece of te technology. So right. I think that technology is just such a broad, broad, broad thing. Right. And I, I think the lens of what we're going to talk about today is really interesting because um, we're, we're split a bit in terms of years. But I read a statistic the other day that we are and I'm going to lump all three of us in this, but we were the last generation who didn't grow up um, with immediate access to information. Correct. Right. So mm -hmm. everybody past us started to have that whole thing. And I think I think the lens of of the technology for us yeah. will be you know, kind of, I, I guess, yeah, I encompassed in that. I, I read the thing I think you're talking about or yeah. something similar. And I was born in the last year of that, like time frame, Right. Uh, where it's like, we're kind of in between two generations, right. Where we are old enough to remember a time before the internet really and cell phones and everything. Mm -hmm. But like, we're young enough that like, we still technically grew up with it within reason. Right. And it's, it puts us in a very unique position. I think, I think it's called the fully connected generation or something to that effect. Yeah. Something along those yeah. lines. I've heard it called like four yeah. or five different things. I still remember having to go to the library for a book report and like pull out the encyclopedia and <laughs> yep. look up all the stuff about the country I was doing a book right. report on. Right? right. So, but that was when I was like, you know, 10, 11, 12, right. By the time I was 13, 14, and I grew up in Middlebury, Vermont, which despite being a small town in Vermont has a really expensive school called Middlebury college in the town. And Middlebury college is like one of the most expensive schools in the country. It's sort of like a side Ivy league. So from when I was 13 or 14, I was already in the computer lab up there. I mean, now listen, we had gotten somebody's login. We were playing Quake basically all the <laughs> right, time, right. And like <laughs> sex chat rooms and stuff like trying to find porn basically. Um, so not like I was like learning how to crack anything or like write software at that age, but right. definitely like 13, 14 was when I started being like completely plugged in. At like Netscape Navigator 24 seven. You know? yeah. At 13 or 14, we were in computer class and we were able to, uh, start making other computers in the computer lab pop up errors, like fake right. errors. And like the computer teacher, I just remember going, I just don't know. It says it's user error. It literally says user error. <laughs> so I have two things to add to this conversation and they're both drastically different. But number one, my son apparently got in trouble because him and another buddy, they have these Chromebooks at school and they, they apparently figured out how to hack the Chromebooks at school so they could play Fortnite on them. <laughs> of course they did at school. Awesome. And so, and they're in separate classrooms and 
and they're 10. So yeah, I was, that pretty, doesn't surprise I was me. super impressed by that. But beyond that, um, if I fast forward to when I was 10, so I went to this computer camp and I would go to Grand Rapids Community College and go to computer camp. And this was a thing I did for like two weeks in the summer. Wow. And it's we like would, space camp. I also went to space camp. <laughs> I wish I would have went to space camp. Space camp was so I cool. I always dreamed of going to space camp. You got to go to space camp. In Huntsville, That's crazy. Yeah. Oh man. It was so cool. Um, hold on. I have to, <laughs> I have to finish cool. the other one. So, so at computer camp, we would code things. And I remember like the grand project was I coded a, a, a rocket that like moved down the like landing strip and then took off. And that was, nice. that was my like big project. That's like kind of like the my thesis, the dancing banana in Cusis. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We used, to, we used to program a thing called turtle where you would like say, go forward 10 spaces, then turn 45, then put your pen down. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was like those sort of procedural ways of thinking that we were learning early yeah. on. So, so that, that was computer camp, but space camp, dude, space camp was so cool. First of all, I think space camp was about the time that I started noticing girls a lot. And there were these these so girls seven, from like seven, Puerto Rico. Seventeen. No. <laughs> uh, I think I was. I think I was thirteen. Okay. I was in. What are you in seventh grade? I think about thirteen. Yeah, yeah that sounds six about or, right. Six or I seven mean, yeah, grade. You're floating around in those jumpsuits. Everyone's yeah. all in zero gravity. No, but it was so cool because um, I met. It was my first experience in life where I met people from like a long ways away. Yeah. Right. So like there were all these people, all these kids who came from around the country and there were like these four girls from Puerto Rico and there were these guys that I, and like we were in these bunks, like, and the bunks were kind of like you were in like the bunks of a space shuttle. You're cool. like the chubby kid from stranger things, <laughs> <laughs> but I've never been chubby. <laughs> like I was so grossly skinny when I was younger. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Did anyone, um, anyone believe you had a girlfriend from space camp? So... <laughs> It's funny because this is really funny because I went on a mission trip my freshman year of high school uh, and I saw the girls from space camp Nice when I was there. In yeah. Puerto Rico? But we wrote each other like with real letters. You did what? I'm not kidding you. You wrote each other. Yeah. I would communicate clarification with, with these girls from Puerto Rico and we wrote each other with pen and a paper. I don't think anybody knows that anymore. I mean, speaking of technology, right? I don't know if we're going to talk about email like pen pals. But come on. Yeah, we were pen pals. Nice. Yeah. We uh I actually want to get my kids a actual pen pal. Well, because like they're in first grade, so my two oldest are in first grade. Right. So like they're working on their writing, so I think it would be fun for them to like get a pen pal to like work on their writing. I, I mean, did I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm a pen pal of Jesse via text these days. Just because, Yeah, I mean it's basically the same thing, right? Yeah. It's just smaller. It's just an immediate. Yeah. Yeah. smaller immediate <laughs> yeah. yep oh that's so weird i mean in the future we won't have any i mean we're gonna think about this like i remember it was my my wife was in grad school and she had a teacher who was like i hate emojis because you know you're sending these like faces all the time instead of sending words and i was like no i think that's the greatest thing ever because ultimately you're expressing you can express so much in a symbol than you can in a word right like you can for example if you're religious you show someone a cross that it has a whole bunch of meaning that comes flooding at somebody in one little symbol. So you can sort of compact a ton of different information in this really, really small thing. So for me, emojis are like, well, they're juvenile. It's that same sort of concept, right? Like you can have, you know, winky fingers and a eggplant, and that's going to say a lot to somebody rather than trying to like really write, you know, in the right context. 
And then soon, if you have, if you start removing the phone, you're going to have technology that's sort of embedded either thought wise or voice wise or like no device. Right. And you're going to be able to share these complex thoughts and emotions without, with less and less physical input. I do want to argue with my seventh or eighth grade math teacher. You're not going to just have a calculator in your pocket everywhere you go. <laughs> Wrong. But, but Jesse, <laughs> I, I have to ask, like, do you think that we've lost the ability to articulate our feelings in words because of that? Like, I, I mean, I would argue when you say that, like, yeah, it's cool. But I also look at my children as they text me and go, instead of just giving me a heart emoji, can you, can you say, I love you, dad? Like, I mean, have we lost some level of that? That's certainly valid. I mean, I sort of think it's similar to like, and this is a bit of a, it seems a bit of a stretch, but to me, it's similar to be from like listening to music on MP3s versus putting a vinyl record on. Right. Because on MP3s, I get this immediate thing. And yes, I'm getting the same sort of content. I'm getting the basics, but when I actually want to listen to something and experience artwork, I'll put a record on and I'll pour over the artwork of the vinyl and I'll look at it and I'll think about it and I'll listen to it deeper. So maybe it's like not bad that we have the shortcut and the long version. It's just that we have to be distinguished between like, yeah, okay, we can communicate. Are you bringing home dinner? Yes, please get milk also really quickly. It doesn't need to be verbose. But when you're actually talking with your family, you're like, maybe you value that more because you're like, I'm talking with my children now. We're having interaction, right? Yeah. I think think we just have digressed all the way back to the ancient Egyptians. We worship (laughs) cats and we write on people's walls. (laughs) I mean, there's some validity to that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we speak in pictures. Yes. Yeah. The Egyptians um, loved wine, though. So they did. I didn't get it. If they had whiskey, I think they would have been happier with it. And I think they invented batteries. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so our actual topic. So, the, well, yeah, I know, but we've but we've kind of talked about technology already. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Which, which is like insightful a bit, right? That we we went all this way and we yeah. talked about things that probably had a lot to do with our lives. I'm gonna drink some of this fancy water. You got me. We're fancy water is really good. Just saying. Fancy water is high technology. Just saying. Yeah. It's mineral water. Tastes like water. Jesse. So I'm going to lead with you. I want you to lead because I think this is going to be good. Um, Tell us your first, and this doesn't have to be ranked like one to three, like more important or less important. Mine's not ranked in any way. Nor is mine. Um, But tell us the one, tell us the first thing, I guess. Yeah. What's the first thing on your list? Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to, I'm going to start with the easy one because I don't want to like drop a bomb with like everything is technology and everything's important because that's boring. So the first (laughs) thing I'll say, my first bit of technology that super changed my life at the time was the cassette tape and the cassette Mm. tape Walkman, right? Being able to record music from the radio, copy the most important one for me, honestly, like the thing that changed me so much when I was a young boy, when I was like 12, 13, so my sister was four years older than me and she had super cool friends. And they would all make mixtapes for her. And I would take go into her room when she wasn't there and I would record her mixtapes. And I would like look at all the stuff her and her friends were listening to and then make my own mixtapes. And then at some point someone got me a like a karaoke machine for Christmas for fun. I had a microphone and two tape decks. And you nice. could sort of record one and overdub onto the other and go back and forth. And I remember making sort of layered multi-tracks that way. I remember I wrote a bunch of songs the way I was getting into the guitar at the time. So for me, the cassette tape was this mat, the first technology that was like this massive freedom. I could make my own music. I could take my own music. I would take it with me. We, we lived four, three or four miles from town. So unless I like rode in with my mom when she was working or back home, I would have to take a bike 
So a lot of times I would bike into town, you know, for 30, 40 minutes and take my music with me. Like that was right when I was that age and I was formulating who I was as a person, like that was a huge, huge bit of technology for me. So I would agree music to cassette that. Yeah. I mean, and how great was it that you could do that and it wouldn't skip and you could record yeah. over it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like you'd yep. sit around the radio just for that right time that you could record on the song that you wanted. Yep. And then you would wait and then you do the, the next time. And then when that was yeah. old, all you needed was one cassette tape for that like moment in your life. Right? So I remember <laughs> right. having um, me and my sister got like a, a joint Christmas present one year. Um, I don't remember how old I was. I may have been like eight or nine. Uh, and I remember having the radio on with the cassette in <laughs> like armed and ready to like go. And so like, I would be like doing my chores. And then when a song would come on the radio, like, I think at that time, I think Limp Bizkit was really huge. And so like, I would like, I remember like running through the house, trying to like hit record <laughs> so that I can have that, you know, that song on that mixtape yeah. and then, yeah, listen to it for two or three weeks and then like, just do it all over again. Yeah. Jesse, did you ever request a song? on a radio station totally. so you could get absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the yes. embarrassing part is oh I gosh. think what that song was, was Madonna's holiday. <laughs> 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 I was probably really young oh. and my sister was probably 12, 13 and she uh -huh. liked it. And I liked it. And I probably, I think that was it. But I also around that age was that I had beastie boys, uh, licensed to ill. And oh, I remember yeah. saying that and my mom took the tape away. And then when I was older, I listened to lyrics again. And I was like, oh, I was oh like gosh. seven years old being like, bitch, shoot my gun. Give me my money. <laughs> so <laughs> I totally had the same album that got taken away from me, but it was Sublime. The original Sublime uh, album. Like my parents heard me listening to it. And it was one, I think that was the first CD I had. Okay. And uh, yeah, I got that taken away. <laughs> music for me in that in that area was very interesting because like when my parents got married my dad was not saved and he got saved like radically saved like burn your records saved okay um and so like when i was growing up like it was really difficult to listen to music if it wasn't christian music so i yeah trying to hide limp biscuit and eminem and stuff from my parents was very complicated <laughs> yeah and like talking to like some like younger guys that have worked for us and they're talking about like music that they used to hide from their parents. And I just laugh and go, let me, let me pull up some EPs from Eminem and show you what I was hiding from my parents. And they're like, Whoa, that's way worse. <laughs> you know, I think music really influenced Jesse because I've seen a picture of Jesse with a, uh, like a dog collar with spikes on it at one point in his I was life. Gonna say, did he have like a Madonna haircut? I, I don't remember the hair. All yeah. I remember is the, is the dog collar. <laughs> well, I was super into music, obviously. And then, you know, as I was getting more angsty in high school, of course, got into punk and hardcore. And, and I was lucky in Vermont, we actually had a pretty thriving hardcore scene in Burlington, which is like 45 minutes north. So when I was like later in high school, we would drive every weekend to go see these shows at yeah. this place called Club Toast in Burlington. There was a really thriving scene. Um, another place called 242 Maine, which actually Bernie Sanders, when he was mayor, created this like teen club. He was basically like, the kids need a place to go and listen to their music where there's no alcohol. <laughs> and it was like this teen club in the basement. And it was legendary. Like my band played wow. there and like we saw bands there. Yeah. Like I was super into music. It was definitely my path into sound. And I think the cassette deck was actually that as well, mm -hmm. because that mechanical bit of having to like pause it at the right time and like spin the leader, maybe if you wanted to get the right lead, you know, or taping over the, the do not record things on the edge <laughs> yes, to record yeah. over a commercial tape. <laughs> That sort of thing, like when I when I was really doing bad in high school, but I was getting into theater, 
my teacher was like, what do you like? And I'm like, I don't know. I like music and stuff. And he's like, there's buttons and faders over here. Right. So like ultimately that love of music and the cassette deck is what led me on the path to sound. Right. Which led yeah. me to where I am today. So now that I'm sort of saying it out loud, it feels like a pretty pivotal piece, pivotal piece <laughs> of uh, technology. I like, I like it, dude. That's great. Yeah, yeah, man. You should go. I should go. You should. Yeah. What's okay. yours? I'm going to go. So I'm going to go bigger picture later. Okay. I'm going to go fairly narrow for my career path now. Okay. Um, and for me, that'd be the WIFO box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it made a difference in my career, strangely, but um, yeah. So if you don't know what he just said, it was a, it's a speaker, <laughs> um, but no. So it was the digital console and I'll, I'll clarify the digital console. So the digital audio mixing console for me um but it not a specific one just it no no no. i'll say a specific one or i'm gonna say two and i'll and i'll explain why okay so the digico d5 live was um the hottest girl in the room Mm -hmm. in the digital console world when i got into digital consoles and uh i was at southeast christian church mixing on this Midas Heritage 3K, which was an analog console. Massive. Yeah, big. Like as big as the table you and I are sitting at right now. I remember. And we had a D5 Live at monitors because we had so many um, personal in-ear mixes that we needed to do for people. And um, we, it was one of the first deployed probably in the world at that point. But I remember looking at things like it was just... It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. What year was that? 2002. Okay. At that point. Um, And I had been around a little bit before then. It was proven technology. But for me, um, I had been on analog sound consoles my entire life. Right. And then seeing that and that that changed something in me, I think, in terms of um, my career path, ultimately, and why I'm here uh, today. But it was it was just the most enamoring piece of technology I'd ever seen in my life. And it was huge and there were screens and there were all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was really cool. And I would say in conjunction with that in a very different thread, the thing, and Jesse (laughs) may laugh at this, but I think he'll understand it. The M seven CL was the thing that Mm. ultimately crafted um, my path because it was this first. um, So it's this console from Yamaha called the M7CL. And it was the first digital sound console that was achievable for like what I would say the average person or the average company, right? Is that console that I just referenced at that time was like a quarter of a million dollars, right? It was amazing, right? And Mm -hmm. when Yamaha came out with the M7CL, this console, it was like $20,000. It was the first yeah, console. Yeah, it was to, the every man's version of a digital console, right? right. It had a bunch yeah. of faders. You could get to the stuff. It had the screen. It yeah. had the re- and had all the digital console things. It had the recallability, the snapshots. And honestly, still to this day, Yamaha's snapshot engine <laughs> is the most full feature because it has absolutely everything, right? You can right. touch any control point and you can recall any control point. It's like super. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. Yeah. Digital consoles as a whole, but those two were It, it was longer. like you went from... I, and I would say the opposite spectrums, right? Like the most amazing thing that was ever created initially and the most usable and accessible thing 
but but I grouped them in the same thing. And and you know you can go to today and look at digital consoles, and and there's a huge wide spectrum. Yeah. But I don't think you'll ever find that difference um, in cost and usability, et cetera, like th- at that in the same era, right? Yeah, that um, was the Ticonderoga number two HB. Yeah the standard, right? Like right. The every man pencil that you could, you know, that everyone was like, ah, oh, it's a pencil. Like they can write stuff with it. Right. Yeah. And I, I even say, analog guys could do it. Yeah. Correct. I mean, there's still so many of those M sevens around. Oh yeah. They're everywhere. I mean, uh, yeah. I think we, I replaced three of them last year. Right. <laughs> but they were the, like, if you were to kind of look at the whole thing, like you had the predecessor to the high end console right now, right. Which you can call it, whatever it is, SSL, you can call it, um, the big, you know, Digico's like SD sevens and quantum three, three eights. You can, you can look at the, the Ravage PM 10, right? That was the, the precursor to that was the SD five five. Yeah. And then the precursor wasn't an SD. It was just a D. (laughs) Correct. But the precursor to what I think like an M 32 today is was, was the M seven CL a hundred percent agree. And, and like those things, like for what we all do is for a living, um, they were life-changing for me. Yeah. I mean, let's not also forget the, I mean, the one that was sort of on that level for me was the, uh, uh, the avid profile. Oh right? yeah. For theater and like, stuff. Well, for rock. So when I did rock of eight is one of my first early big Broadway musicals, the front of house console was, a was a, um, avid profile. Yeah. And then it fed a bunch of like whatever was limited because it was limited in buses and structure. We fed that into like a Midas uh, Dimitri rig. Well, at the time it was LX300 rig. So LCS basically that did all the speaker processing. Yep. But then also backstage running monitors was an M7CL. So like we had a live monitor mix backstage, M7CL profile up front that was expanded its capabilities with the, with the Meyer stuff. Uh, and we had a super complex show, right? Yeah. With just those little bits. But yeah, those consoles were like rock steady, man. Yeah. It's just so crazy for me because like I'm only like four or five years behind you guys. And those were considered old consoles by the time digital like was coming to my realm. Yeah. So like, I mean, the funny <laughs> thing was, so like at the church that yep. I worked at, when we built our big sanctuary, we bought a D5 and right. that was the first digital console we had in our building. And it was like, we went from, uh, what was that giant Allen Heath console? Uh, the ML 5000. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that, but we were doing like massive recordings so it was like every time we did a massive recording, we didn't have enough channels in the ML 5000. <laughs> so like we would rent in like another one or, you know, just another analog console. So we would put like all of our drums and brass on that one and then have the master out of that go into two channels on yeah. the ML 5000 in the main front of house board. And then like those would just be mixed in by that guy right. so that we could do everything for this giant recording. And then obviously like when we built the new building, um, you know, bought the D five and, uh, we had a, uh, what was that? The D one, uh, mm-hmm. monitors. Mm-hmm. And then we had a DSOO in our broadcast suite. So it was kind of interesting. So like those were still really big, very predominant consoles at that time. Cause it was like 2006 and I, we were looking in for our other youth rooms. We wanted to go digital, digital and pre-Sonus had just released their studio live console. Yeah. I, I no still, motorized faders. No, I was a dealer and I stocked those because people were buying them like they were candy. Yeah. We luckily never bought them. We stuck with our <laughs> Allen Heath uh, analog consoles until the X32 came out. Yeah. Uh, then when that came out, we bought the X32 and obviously like the X32 was 
revolutionary Rex 32 in some way or shape or form. No, I think Gary did. I think we were on to Gary at I that know. point. Me and Gary. No, no, I think you were still at your right. Oh, okay. I think that was the other thing. I mean, I'll thing. do you one better. We did. I did a show in 2012 on Broadway, Elf the Musical, and it was a Cadac console. And I don't know if anybody knows what Cadac consoles mm-hmm. are. The British mm-hmm. consoles from the 80s. Oh, nice. They like got really famous for like early Broadway stuff. Like all the Andrew Lloyd Webber shows were all Cadacs, Cats, and like Phantom of the Opera. All analog, but they had a digital CCM control board in the middle. And that <laughs> thing could do scenes. And it would do mutes on and off. And it could do VCA assignments. And it could do boxes on or off right. so super basic and if you wanted to get crazy you'd get flying faders but they were always twitchy you had to like field repair them a bunch <laughs> but yeah 2012 i did an analog console half auto like some flying faders and some automation you know i mean but, didn't but it's you spend like sounding show ever though but it was like <laughs> literally 100 feet between the mics and these amazing analog preamps right. and all analog signal chains so it actually sounded pretty fantastic i mean didn't you, know? you spend most of your time with the cadac um rewrapping things so that the faders would move and like servicing <laughs> it <laughs> you had to be really methodical about capturing anything like if you were like okay i'm gonna store everybody yeah. cool yeah okay everybody hands <laughs> off, <we're storing> it. <laughs> okay so justin we need to we need to move to you yeah so i'm gonna go kind of off of yours and mm-hmm. i think uh like I think Jesse's point with the the whole cassette thing does play into that really well. But I think what kind of launched me kind of going from I did this whole thing where I was always super interested in electronics, but I never Mm -hmm. really knew what that looked like, what that meant. It was just there's a piece of electronic in front of me, you know, tear apart a pair of headphones and rewire them and turn them into a microphone type thing. Um, And I never really understood what that would turn into or how I could like go down that path. And working at that church that I was working at, uh, volunteering, I was in sixth grade and I was mixing for the very first time on a Mackie 1604, I think is what that mm-hmm. was. And, um, there's a 16 channel, you know, analog, analog console. Yeah. I think it had like, you know, four bands of EQ, I think three, three, maybe it was three. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I ever actually started to understand that electronics are real things, not just something you go to the store and buy and, right. you know tear apart and throw away yeah so that kind of launched me into i set foot in that sound booth for the very first time because there was no one there to run it and they needed someone to literally unmute something and push a fader up so i had um i think his name was chris uh he was a volunteer in the room and he was like you want to push a fader for me and i was like sure why not i can do that i can do that (laughs) and he's like cool you get to sit back here the whole service and i was like badass yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh i've never left the sound booth since yeah i'm super simple <laughs> what was the first console you ran jesse you know oh geez mine was uh, mine I, was also a mackie at it my would church. be a mackie yeah, yeah. The one in high school would have been a mackie for uh-huh. sure i think After i that, think it was the a 1604 yeah i think the 1604 might have been my first one in my church when i was a kid nice which is where i got my start cool yeah yeah i think we had a 32 we had 3204 nice. uh, and then we and then we evolved to an Allen and heath um gh something yeah so i think we went to uh in the next youth room we had a mackie i think it was the 32 like you jesse um and then when that finally died we went to a gl something something yeah or gl Um, yeah people loved that mackie sound back then because i feel like people like i I feel like almost maybe i'm totally wrong but it feels like right when we were all starting or maybe i'm a little maybe a couple years older than you guys but it seems like people were just starting to get like the 
oh yeah, we're going to make this good audio now. Right. right. So like there was a dark period where people were just like, we're just making it heard. Right. Like we talked about this a lot at L acoustics. It seemed like there was a period where it was just about just getting an achievable show, right. And making right. it loud enough and good enough quality and evenly distributed <laughs> enough that people were like, it's okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and it seems like maybe late nineties is when people were like, let's make it sound good live. Right. Like the VDOS had been out for a few years at that point. You know, and it feels like console-wise, like the Mackie had that very spe- had that very specific sound, and people were like, "Oh, I know the name Mackie," and they got that great sound, right? It sort of became right. very ubiquitous. So, yeah. um, we'll keep moving forward, right? Yeah, Jesse, what's number two for you? Mm, so, mm. I'm. This is where I'm going to start my <laughs> tirade, right? And you can totally oh. stop me, but like, this is where I feel like. The, the one that's going to take my last two spots is basically going to be computing at large, right? So computing at large has changed everyone's life since right. it was invented, right? I mean, talking about the transistor in the 50s, right? So after Roswell alien crash, all of a sudden we got computers. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and then, like, joking, totally joking. Um, but, you know, no, in general, <laughs> since, you know, and like that computing platform has been changing, right? So when I, we were in high school, it was desktop computers and stuff like that. And then it was said laptops were ubiquitous and now it's mobile computing. And for me, in the last 20 years, desktop, I mean, laptop and mobile computing have been absolute radical changes in my life. Like, I was able to make my living on my laptop, basically, and then also showing up to theaters and pushing faders. But, like, so much of that work was done beforehand on a laptop, whether it be CAD drafting or audio editing or recording in a studio or any of that stuff. And then mobile stuff lately um, has been taking these huge leaps forward. Um, in terms of like, for me also a musician, music creation. Um, uh, the other thing is I'm, since uh, sound has totally been blown apart because of COVID, I've been getting into computer programming. So lately I've been like learning Python and all these uh, using UI and UX uh, stuff I've been learning and trying to build some apps. So basically like my entire life is on the computer now. Like my whole right. way of living is on the computer now. So at large, like computing it's crazy. The, the platform is getting smaller and smaller. So it's laptop and then mobile. And I think what's coming next, obviously the next big shift is going to be augmented reality and virtual reality. I think actually augmented reality is going to be the first earlier, most integrated option. Cause for me, again, it's all about what is technology and how integrated is it into your life? And when technology becomes so integrated into your life that you don't notice it anymore, it sort of ceases to become technology. And then you sort of look forward to the next thing. And that's, what's really exciting to me. It's like, what's the thing after that? Right. Imagine text messaging, sending emojis, all that stuff. That's going to become more and more integrated, more easy, take less of your attention, less of your time, right? You're going to be able to more fluidly communicate things to people and to create things more fluidly and more easily as time goes on. So that to me is this crazy race that we're on. I'm loving it. I think over the course of my adult life, I have seen radical leaps. It's become more and more a part of my life. And, you know, I think we, I oftentimes run into people in my family who are like, technology is bad. And I'm like, yeah, if, if you want to take over your life, it's bad, but like, right. it's like everything else, right? It is a tool. It is like, and there's no escaping it. And there's no escaping that it's changed everyone's life on this planet and, you know, forever. Um, so, and rant. No, I mean, so you just took my number two. You, transistor. <laughs> I mean, you and I share a number two. Um, I, that, I mean, that's exactly where I was about to go. And I, I don't know that I could have, even articulated it as well as you did to be quite honest. Oh man, riff on it, man. You got, I know we've had these talks late at night <laughs> we, after, I mean, a we couple, have. after a couple of cocktails. Like I heard you riff on this. Yeah. I, I, and I think we've done that on planes and, and the, 
the greater part of that whole conversation is is when you see the trickle down technology to phones right and i mean you know all of those things like the things that we have like we have the the computer in our pocket is more powerful by magnitudes than what landed apollo on the moon yeah, I think like the computing power was like I think something like forty-eight megabytes yeah. of RAM or so, something like that. Like that that process, like when you think about that, and I and I read a thing the other day about I've been watching these. So I watched this thing on Netflix called Away. Um, and it's a it's a it's a mini series or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then but I think the predecessor to that was called Mars. Yeah, okay. And so I've been, and that's two se- that ran two seasons. Yeah. So I've been watching that too, and <laughs> the the idea of like um, they're talking about how, and and this is in conjunction with reading another article about how now currently the next SpaceX mission to go to space will dock with the International Space Station, mm-hmm. and then they're going to be there for six months. So. It needs to move itself and dock somewhere else in space with no one in it. Right. Okay. So literally they're talking about the software to make this happen or, or the programming to make this happen that, that no one will be in the crew cabin. Right. It will undock itself from the international space station. It will move around. It's going to redock itself in space in no gravity. Right. All by itself. Right. And when you look at like the videos that we saw of what happened during Apollo mm-hmm. and how much crew interaction happened. Right. And then you, like you look at that proxy and it's just insane. But then we look at that on a bigger picture and we think um, all of this, all of it is in this race or idea to land on Mars. Right. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry. dude, you want to see that technology? Look no further than that freaking Elon Musk thing that, like, it takes off and then the booster lands itself on the right. middle of the platform in the middle of an ocean right. with waves on it. And you watch the videos from Elon Musk, and he's like, this is pivotal to that idea, right? Reusability is pivotal to our ability to be on Mars. Right. Yeah. Well, like, wasn't the last SpaceX, like, shuttle up there? That was the first one to two months. Yep. Well, I mean, but that was the first shuttle to ever dock on ISS automatically, not Correct. manually. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So was, all of this. I, 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 know, I made my kids sit down and watch that. And they're like, why are we watching this? They're in first grade. Right. And I'm like, this is history. Because this is important. And my wife's yeah. like, yeah, I guess I can sit here and watch this with you. And she's like, I hate space. I'm terrified of it. And I'm like, this is, as, <laughs> I'm like, this is such a big deal. Oh my God. I can't imagine being terrified of space. I'm so enamored by it. So the crazy I mean, thing I'm is. I'm terrified of space, dude. That's terrifying. No. You, you, you no. fart in the wrong direction. You float out toward the sun. You're done for. So this is the crazy thing. We just had this conversation. So I am like infatuated with space. All of the TV shows yeah. I watch are all space related, everything. And we were talking because like my wife, like we're watching the show, The Expanse right now. Jesse, have you seen The Expanse? It's on Amazon Prime. Nope. It's fantastic. I'll have the recommendation though, because I need new, okay. new stuff. Yeah, it's that in a way. It's, it's <laughs> fantastic. And so there's a lot of these episodes where they're putting spacesuits on and they're like, I'm just going to jump from this ship to that ship. Or they're like, we have to get over there, but we can't go you know, faster than a specific thing. I'm just right. going to put my spacesuit on. And I'm just going to float through space. And she's like, 
hell no <laughs> there's just no way that i could do this and i'm like yeah that that'd be awesome because like there's this shot where like the door you know the, like the airlock door opens up right and like the camera swings behind them and it's just like stars mm. and like they just step out and float off and she's like no <laughs> no i wanna i wanna so bad i'm like that's so awesome so this is where it gets funny because my biggest fear in life is suffocating oh i'm terrified of drowning and she's like then how does space not terrify you and i'm I like take I, you diving i'm like i don't know i see like i don't panic like it's i don't the like, reverse space to me yeah like i don't panic when i'm like underwater um but i i definitely do not like it at all you don't panic when you're underwater but you know that if you're there just a little too long you will panic right. or you know that you might panic yeah i probably like yeah, yeah. Th- that that's a really good thing yeah. so like it is in my mind that if i don't get myself out of this right now i probably would panic hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so i think everybody has that like that's that that's that fear of you know that death or whatever like right. unknown like suffocating like for me it's space i imagine to go out there and it's not suffocation it's like you start drying up or something like freezing from the outside <laughs> in Getting like turned to stone. Uh, well, because because my son was born in January, early January this year, right before all this pandemic hit, which is crazy. But I will say that one thing I've said over and over again, and my wife hates me for it, but like I always say, like I wish for my son that he sets foot on another planet mm-hmm. with a caveat that it's because he's chosen to and not because he has to, right? right. Right. Whatever that means, whether it's like militarily or whether it's like wow. fleeing something yeah. that's gone bad. But I'm like, I hope he sets foot on another planet. For you know, and intentionally, right? On yeah. you know, for, for good thing. Oof. Who knows? Yeah, we can't go down that road. Twenty twenty, you never that's, know. This that's Yeah, that's another podcast episode in itself. So my number two, <laughs> yeah, is a lot more pointed. It's not as broad, and it was. Um, so obviously, like I got involved at church because of the, the sound console. Like started mixing, and started being really like enthused about electronics in general, and so. So fast forward a handful of years and my school offered video classes. So we have a local college here. It's called compass arts. So they paid for someone from there to come in and teach a class for, Mm -hmm. you know, like three times a week or whatever. And, uh, they, one of the people from our school donated a bunch of computers and the computer that was donated was the iMac G4 which is the round base with the arm with the, nice. the display on it. And that was the first Mac I ever like, well, that we had a Mac when I was a kid, you know, and we didn't really do anything on it. Like, I think I had like Minesweeper on it and that was it. Right. Um, but this was the first Mac that like, I actually like used as the computer and it had final cut express on it. Cause that's, you know, that was free at the time. And I learned how to edit video on this, this iMac. And it was like, oh mind-blowing to me that i was able to create something that i've been watching on tv so that's the thing that precursed you doing what you do for us exactly (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) yeah so and it was just it was one of those things like i mean we had some really you know crappy cameras that they donated they were like little sony like handy cams and so i mean and we did a lot of really cool things where you know they had us try to like write a small story out like storyboard it and then we had to shoot it in camera without okay. editing it and oh. then bring it into the computer and look and see how, how it would look. <laughs> so it was like every scene had to be perfect. And if we didn't like it, we had to rewind it oh. and reshoot it because like that was like, Tape. 
We're back to tape. <laughs> well, I don't even know. You're like making a mixtape. Yeah, you're pausing yeah, it. You're making a video mixtape. Yeah, because they were they were DV tapes, like the little yeah. little tapes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just it, that was just really interesting, and it was like being hmm. able to like it was kind of in that like realm where it's like not everyone had a computer, you know, and it was like Macs were like the big thing, you know, yeah. starting to become the big thing. Um, yeah, it was just really interesting, really intriguing, and my mind was just like. Oh my God. They're like the possibilities are endless now. Right. Wow. That's a, uh, I mean, you know, if we continue to circle on this technology, like it's your video, you know, if I, if, if, if I could typecast both of you, um, Jesse is very much an audio guy and a music guy and you're very much a video guy to me. Yeah. Um, and the fact that both of your formats or something that changed your life relied on tape Mm -hmm. um and and we kind of we have an interesting meld of that now right with digital yeah that we can just re-record again right but you also can't get rid of what sucks <laughs> and yeah i mean um, that is a commonality I mean, right? right like 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 because the file exists now like when yeah. i do something really dumb on camera yeah like it's there forever and then you guys use it against me in text <laughs> in groups or in pictures i don't know what you're talking about uh-huh. yeah <laughs> i yeah, do I have mean, a, josh facebook still got pictures of you with your emo hair so right I think, so uh, dj <laughs> dj mike lee <laughs> this, is, this is the point that i'm saying my flock of seagulls hair oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. so i was filming video announcements uh for the church i was at and um the guy that w- was filming he had like a color card up in front of him and he was like i don't remember what it was but i hit record uh like literally i hit record and he's like and he said his name he's like i'm so-and-so and this is my nipple <laughs> <laughs> like he was like joking around because it was just me and him yeah <laughs> and he didn't know i hit record and i didn't even i just started laughing and then we went through and we recorded video announcements well that was i don't know seven years ago that randomly like i will randomly come across just that clip and i will yeah. text it to him <laughs> and he's like is this blackmail and i'm like well at this point mm, kind of maybe a little <laughs> i wish i still had it i wish i had it right now to play it for you guys but i did a show in vegas once that was ill-fated it was beach boys musical right like someone tried to write a musical of beach boy yep. music it was just wrong it went wrong 20 different ways to sunday it was like running rep with another show and it was like really bad <laughs> But there was one point they were like, we're not getting that Beach Boy sound. We need like all those guys, like the harmonies. And, you know, we'd say like, listen, those guys sit in the booth together over one microphone and they all practice for hours and hours and hours at a time and like got the one track on tape. Right. So we had like, got a special booth. They were talking about hiring a Beach Boys cover band that's sitting there like do that. They never did that. Right. So like they're like, why can't we get this Beach Boy sound? Well, one night me and the designer, a friend of mine, Peter Hylinski is a Broadway guy. We're listening through the, the recording the show and we're listening through doing mixing after hours. And we had recorded, we started phoning out some of the ensemble ladies that were dancing. And just like, we had this hilarious track of them being like, oh, wow. <laughs> we like recorded it on our phones and played it back for the director. And we're like, this is the problem, right? And she's like, oh my God, what is that? We're like, those are your actors, right? So like, yes, number one, there's no fixing it's a microphone, not a miracle, right? Like it's right. not, you can't fix everything in post. But what I think is super interesting about everyone's commonalities with tech and what they do is this is sort of the, the ultimate experience of technology is all of a sudden something that was out of reach 
is all of a sudden within your reach and not yeah. just within your reach, but easy. Right. So like percent mm. people couldn't read and couldn't write and all, they didn't even, couldn't even get a freaking pen. And then at some right. point, a hundred years later, it was pretty common for some people to be able to read, write and have pen and have access to paper and be able to write their own books and write their own thoughts down. And as obvious as that sounds to us now, at some point that was a radical leap. So the thing is, is like, what's the next thing, right? Like we've all, okay, let's just say we have the full ability to do whatever we want to do. We can create sounds or, or visuals or whatever we want really quickly and really cleanly from our mind to our reality. What is the next leap after that? Or like, do we just get better at that? Does it get faster and faster? I mean, so you just defined my third and I'm going to jump in. Um, which was the internet. Okay. Right. And, and like everything you just said, so bolsters that argument that it allowed us to be connected. And, and like today I'll tell you that like, I'm sitting on my couch watching football, you know, as weird as that is right now. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, um, as I'm looking through Facebook, I, I want this to be gone, right? Like the level of immediate, um, <laughs> I, I guess immediate information, but it is insane. But if I step back, I think, wow, even 10 years ago in my life, I didn't have access to the information at the speed I do. And, and to your point, Jesse, I don't think that information will get to us any faster. We literally have the speed of information mastered, right? Yeah. I, I think, mean, it's a notification on your I phone. think it, how it's delivered and and why it's delivered that way. And you can, you can go all the way back to say the internet is the thing that changed that, right? You can, you can make arguments to say that, that the telephone or the things that preceded the internet were things that define that but i but i would disagree only on the stance that the internet was the first thing to connect the world immediately right like mm-hmm. i could have information even with dial up even with with AOL right i had immediate access to someone in china yeah like like yeah that. i have a very vivid memory of playing quake and playing against people in japan yeah. like holy shit i am playing real time against people in japan we're right. blowing each other up right it's awesome. <laughs> and, and like, that's freaking crazy to think like at that time, even with our ping speeds and all that stuff, right? Like that was immediate and, and we had never had that in our life. And, and the, to me, the internet obviously is defining yeah. what happens as we move forward. Yeah. I, I look at, at it like this too, is think back to like nine eleven. I remember like obviously where I was when we found out about it. Right. But it was like someone from the office at our school, like, like had to be watching the news and then like let every teacher know. And then the teachers were like, Hey guys, just so you know, this is what just happened. You know, like my dad had no idea. My mom called him. It's like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and the internet kind of existed at that point. Right. Right. But not on the level that it does now. Right. And if you look at that curve, like Jesse said, it's insane but i would go even farther back than that and i'm like i remember back when the oj the original oj trial happened right i was oh yeah we were in school yeah i was in i was in math class in fifth grade when that whole thing came down 
they put it on the tube TV yeah. that was hung in the corner. I mean, think about the mount that it took to hang that tube TV, by the way, because it was big. Yeah. Okay. They didn't even have them. They were so big when I was dating my cart when I was in school. Yeah. They, were, they didn't even try to mount them. And it had, a VHS, it had a VHS player under it, of course. Right. But we tape in fifth grade math class with Mr. Boss. That was his name, by the way. My math teacher's name was Mr. Boss. Who screws with a man? He was six foot eight. <laughs> like was 300 it, was it really? pounds. No, I, I'm not kidding you. Google him. Okay. The man was huge and his name was Mr. Boss. That's awesome. Um, but <laughs> regardless of that. You thought I was going to Google him, didn't you? It's okay. You should. He, he taught for Byron Center Schools. No, it's okay. We don't. At the time I was in sixth grade. You're sixth grade. You need, the, you need a young Jamie. Young Jamie, pull that shit up. Boy. Yeah. But that was bizarre. Anyway, <laughs> to, to see that. And like now, you know, as we, if we, as we've moved forward, we see these things in real time. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, I'm pretty sure I get alerts about the game I'm watching. Yeah. Who wins before it's over. Did your team win today? No. They always so, find a way to lose, don't they? Always. Yeah. He's a, Lions, he's a Lions fan. Um, to the day I die. Um, <laughs> It's their special talent to find a way to lose after coming out strong. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> I mean, we digress. Not to go to sports ball and all. <laughs> okay. So they kicked Jesse. They you hit, have a third. They kicked four home runs today. Did they? Uh, well, I will. I will use my third because I, I sort of feel like my second was my second and third. I will use yeah. that to wrap it up because I do have to go to an Eliza Schlesinger concert I know you right do. now. Yeah. Um, I was going to make a point just now, which totally escaped me because <laughs> my wife came in and distracted me. Um, but uh, I will say that like for me, Oh, I know what it is. So my third one is sort of like, again, it's based on computing, but basically it's like uh, a programming language called Python. So oh, Python yeah. is like when I started, when I started seeing COVID go South, my industry, I basically was like, I better learn something else. So I started trying to learn how to code and I've dabbled in code before. And I feel like with audio, I've got a, a mindset for it. But Python is sort of the entry-level programming language where, like, basically, if you want to import flying, you could just say, import flying, and all of a sudden, you can do all this crazy stuff. So it, like, lets you learn the biggest basics of programming and, like, learn how to do really cool stuff. Right. Super powerful and super easy and readable as well. So you, it's not, like, semicolon, slash, slash, hyper, sin, burr, blah, blah, blah. It's all, like, <laughs> real-world stuff, like, import this, do that, if this, then that, right? So that's my... Next biggest one. But, you know, as I'm so my, my next sort of transition I'm making, you know, because since audio is sort of so decimated right now, I'm sort of trying to get into that, but basically into the user, user interface and user experience direction. Yeah. I feel like I did a bit of that with audio. I feel like honestly, in, in mixing, it's all about user interface and user experience. Like, how do you make, at least in Broadway, how do you make the mixer have the most seamless interaction where it's as easy to touch things as possible? There's no thinking, right? You just react and do it. Um, but instead, but so like user interface, user experience. So one of the things I'm, I'm as I'm doing theoretical stuff is making user user interfaces for uh, augmented reality things. So basically, mm. I'm making like a heads up display for a motorcycle um, uh, visor, right? And like, what would that look like? That's not distracting. That's not in the middle of the road. But like, as I'm thinking about technology, like I'm trying to think of like what things can you offload to the very edges of your periphery that are just things that you don't need to focus on. They're just things you need to know, right? Like I have a message or there's an alert up here or like there's something I need to know, or like maybe you get enough of a preview to say so-and-so texted, I'll meet you there. Right. So I think that's going to be the first step in the new wave of technology is what small things 
that are lightweight things that we don't need to focus on? Can we offload to something that is like peripheral? So for us, if we get a notification, yeah, you got a dentist appointment coming up, you can see that pass by you. And as long as you've noticed it, and as long as it's there, it doesn't have to be persistent. It doesn't have to be a, something you take out with your phone. It doesn't even have to be a haptic feedback on your watch. Right. It can just be a passing thing that you notice and acknowledge. Um, and I think that's going to be the first step in offloading some of these real world things we're doing with phones now with interfaces to just being like integrated technology. That's part of our everyday. It's like, you know, second sense, sixth sense almost like whether it be, you know, watch stuff or whatever. So that's right. my number three. It's like the future of technology is going to change our lives. I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Yeah, totally. My number three last and yeah. final is, you know, kind of going down that video path uh, was the, uh, the fifth gen iPod. Oh, which was the iPod Ooh. video. You know, the iPod is on like every top tech device ever. Yeah, it's List. insane. Like, so I was trying to figure out which generation was the iPod video. Yeah. And so I was starting to see all this information and then seeing how many iPods had been sold. Yeah. Is insane how many iPads, iPods have been yeah. sold. But like the iPod video was such a big deal because now I could take video with me in my pocket. Dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching vi- like like shows yeah and that little yes. that screen the, the time you know, was it was big lost. you remember lost the tv show yes, yes. i watched lost on an ipod video yeah so yes. that so like that was the cool thing is like <laughs> i was able to edit video put it on my ipod yeah. to bring it to people to go like check out this video I, I made right and you know then it was also like sitting in school like yeah, watching yeah. Lost, Dude, <laughs> mind know? blown. Yeah, so it was just—it was such a big deal because that was the—that was the precursor to the iPod Touch. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the iPod Touch uh, kind of came out. The it was a couple months after the iPhone came out, but I mean, who could really afford an iPhone when it first came out? Right. You know, the iPod Touch was like half the cost because it didn't have the phone in it. That was literally the only. I was I, my first iPhone was iPhone two. Mine was the four. Okay. I uh I waited in line all night. I I slept overnight in a sleeping bag in a parking lot to get my iPhone too. <laughs> so I the only things I stood in line for were like Xboxes and Playstations. Okay, and it was I like, in line for the very first iPhone at the Apple Store in Fifth Avenue. Did you for yeah, like Gen hours. One? The very one, the very yeah. first one. Nice. Wow. Yeah, I remember. Let's see the uh, the PlayStation Three. I sat in line for three and a half days. Yeah. Um, oh my god. <laughs> For for the PlayStation Three, super commitment, bro. So I took vacation day from work, three of them. <laughs> so I still got paid, but this was the great thing. I bought it. It was I don't know, it was like six hundred bucks or something yeah. like that. I bought it, not even to play it. Oh, you sold it. I walked out of Best Buy, fifteen feet from the door, sold it to a guy for eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> That's the only reason why I did that. The the uh, the Xbox. I was a Halo player, yeah. So like, I didn't really, you know, I didn't give two shits about the PlayStation. I just wanted the money. That's funny. And it was like all my friends wanted to do it. I just remember because like that was like at the beginning of people like waiting in line for those kind of things. Yeah. And I remember ordering a pizza to us because we were in a tent. It was me and like three or four of my friends. Yeah. We ordered a pizza and they're like, "Okay, what's the address?" And I was like, "Well, I don't really know. It's the best buy." It's a parking lot. Yeah. And uh, I'm the fourth tent in line from the door. And they're like, are you being serious right now? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, if we get there, uh, like, and you're not there, we're going to be upset. I'm like, I'm sitting here waiting in line to buy this PlayStation 3. And they're like, okay. And so, like, the guy got there and he was like, you guys are insane. (laughs) 
you know you know nowadays they're like all right 10-3 you red red stripes on the top okay cool yeah. be there in 10 gotcha. minutes no yeah, problem yeah. well i mean best buy puts out like they bring in like porta johns and stuff like that for yeah. for those kind of things now it's just insane they just it's all accepted now <laughs> well hey I, Jesse has a concert to go to tonight. Yep. Or well, a show. Outdoor show. It's a comedian. It's. Yeah. A, I don't know if you guys know Eliza Schlesinger. She's a lady comedian. She's very fun to watch. She's very funny, and she is quite attractive. And there's red wine involved, <laughs> and I'm excited. I'm here for it. Awesome. Jesse, uh, I cannot thank you enough for being here with us today. Um, I'm so glad to be here. This dude, was so much fun. Guys. It's our maiden voyage. It's awesome to share life and thoughts and technology together. And uh, I think we'll have you on again at some point for sure only yeah. if i can do it in person like we had talked about Dude, before covid i was we like would love that so much and we were yeah. gonna sit at the table the plan together was for you to be here like, yeah but hey man uh have an awesome show um say Thanks, hi guys. to van and asa for us thank and, you um, and to as well and to your lady yeah. congratulations and say hey and congratulations on show number one you guys Thanks. you know thank always you. great conversation yeah. with you both great to talk with you Thank you for being here. Many, many great successes going forward. Thanks, man. You too. I can be a panelist anytime. I can insert catty comments from the sidelines. Yeah. Anytime. Well, we will bring you in safe travels and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you guys on the internet.